Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! This is the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast where you get to find out about the best books from the people who write them. I'm Bex and this week you're going to hear a reading from Jen Carney's brand new book. You're going to find out what happened when I spoke to Ben Miller, my old pal, and we've got a chat with Claire Balding. Plus, I'll be recommending some of the best and biggest books out right now for you. So, let's kick it off, shall we? This week, we spoke to Claire Balding about her brand new book. It's a bit of a motivational one, and I think you're going to really like it. So let's find out a bit more. Hi, Claire. Hi there, Bex. What a book you've brought to us. You've brought us this kind of manual for life. I think, gosh, I know. It's. It, I think there are things that we can always read about that just help us with everyday life and sometimes those those things come to us in in stories and and most of the time I've written fiction for kids but I decided that I really wanted to take the things that I had learned from both my own life and the mistakes that I'd made when I was young and and hopefully recovered from um, but also all the sports people that I've interviewed and the amazing people in public life that I admire and try and see if I could put that into 10 lessons, if you like, for for people to read about in a fun way and then take away. And, and I think probably now more than ever, getting back on again is, is what we all need to be doing because we're all sitting there, aren't we, going, come on, when's this going to finish in terms of lockdown? Yeah, you're, so the book is called uh, Fall Off, uh, it's Get Back On and Then Keep Going. And um, it's really... It's such a helpful book and I'm kind of annoyed you didn't write this when I was little because I would have really, really needed this. <laughs> like you say, it's kind of bits of advice um, from yourself, um, from kind of people who've inspired you uh, and just to kind of get kids to know it's okay to fail or it's okay to try different things or to not always fit in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's almost the most powerful message that I can impart is that being different from everyone else is is not a weakness. It there are ways of turning that into a strength and and you come to that maybe sometimes a bit later in life probably took me till I was about 35 to work that out but I would love to have known that when I was 12 um and the book is aimed I think there's that that when you are just about to switch schools when you're about to go to big school I think something happens and you get a bit scared and not surprisingly because you're going into a school where you're probably you don't know the setup you don't know the teachers you might not know all the kids you're just becoming you know you're developing your own personality and there'll be and you suddenly become a bit obsessed with how you look in a way that you're not when you're eight and nine you're just not so this is aimed at that age group where you just are going through that or about to go through that time where you start sometimes maybe looking inwards uh, in a way that isn't always healthy. And, and I hope that this is a way of turning... If you think about your own your own being as, a, as an iPhone, don't have it on selfie mode, not all the time. Because on selfie mode, it's all about you in the picture. And, and it might be the Taj Mahal or the Eiffel Tower or the London Bridge, behind, Tower Bridge behind you. But if you've got it on selfie mode, it's really about you and whether you're looking okay in that shot. And And, and I would love, even just for you know, a few days a week, everybody to practice looking at the world with the camera on 
outgoing mode. So you are looking at the world and you are appreciating the beauty in the world and the beauty of other people. And you're not worrying about how you look in that instant or feel or fit. You are appreciating everything around you and looking at your friends and saying, how can I help them? How can I you know, make them stronger. And it, I promise you, it does something really profound. And I know this because it's what I did at the London Olympics. I absolutely told myself, this is all about the event. This is all about looking at the event and translating the event and talking about the competitors. It's not about me. And it made all the difference in the world. It has made such a difference to my level of happiness and my enjoyment in what I do. And and I, I don't know why it took me so long to work that out. Some of the messaging in the book is, is about that. Some is about courage and how you can practice courage, that courage really is a muscle. And it's actually sometimes easier, I think, to be courageous on behalf of other people. But that links into finding your voice. And there's a chapter on that. And there's a chapter called Conf The Cloak of Confidence. And I love that idea because I do think confidence is something you can put on and you can wear. It's um, You mentioned before about the, the Olympics as well. Um, one of the things I loved about the book is you're so um, open about your own life and your struggles. And that was my favourite chapter was the flexibility, that thing about being stretchy and figuring out, well, that's not gone right, but what can I do to pivot this around and make it into something for me? That for me, I read that chapter and I was like, Where's this been? I needed this. It's amazing. Yeah, and I think probably now more than ever, we need to be flexible in our minds. I mean, uh, everyone is at different stages of, of, of their lives and the kids reading this will be at different stages of their of their schooling, but everything they thought was going to happen hasn't happened. And the same for me, everything I thought was going to happen last year, the Olympics, the Paralympics, for, for me, Olympic years are like A-level years. You know, this is when I do my exams and I didn't, they didn't happen. So yes, you're going to feel a bit anxious, but understanding why you're feeling that and working on ways that can help you enjoy what's happening now and the benefits of now and then when the other thing happens you're going to enjoy it even more because you've really missed it like going you know who ever thought kids would miss being at school seriously because it's really interesting reading the book uh it's of the time like you have mentioned being in lockdown and being stuck at the moment and i think especially for kids because it might be a little while until we get back to normal it's going to be really nice to read to read some good advice of coping with that as well yeah and funny i mean obviously when i wrote it i was very much hoping by the time it came out we'd be through all of this but we're not so um it it is even more topical um and and relevant and and lots of people will read chapters of this book and they'll go back and read them again and they might see something different or take something different away from it they'll take away the bit that makes most sense to them so which were you saying was your favorite chapter the flexibility one about right. kind of stretchy yeah whereas i i really like the cloak of confidence because in a way it's the first chapter that i thought okay i've, I've got it i've got the voice here i know what i want to say and how to say it and i quite like the idea of this cloak in the cupboard that you can take and uh, it, you know it's that that but but we have different things and it's why at the end i recap on the on the 10 qualities but i also i do i think a lot of kids will get that idea of when you talk about when i go and talk to to children in in large groups i'll say to them what do you love about your best friend? And they put their hands up and they talk about their best friend and they say he or she is so kind. They make me laugh. Um, they're always there for me. They support me. And quite often they'll never have actually said that to their friend. They'll only say it because I'm asking them to. 
And what I'm trying to get them to understand is what you love in your best friend is also what you should value in yourself. And they are the most important qualities. They never talk about what their friend's hair looks like or what they're wearing or the fact they've got AirPods. And that's why the film Soul is called Soul. It's not it's not called, you know, a saxophone or trumpet or piano. It's called Soul. It's it's so fascinating. Yeah, you're right. The parallels between that are really interesting. Um, also, of course, you put in lots of amazing, inspirational people who've given your life a bit of a like interest or meaning or uh, people that have inspired you. Um, you've got Michelle Obama in there, uh, Colin Kaepernick, lots of amazing um, sports people. But who has influenced you the most? Was it your dad from when you were younger or has it been uh, a, a person in the modern day? Funnily enough, it, it, my dad influenced me in terms of wanting me to prove him wrong because my dad was pretty old fashioned and thought there were quite a lot of jobs that girls couldn't do. Uh, including sports broadcasting. <laughs> um, so he did influence me hugely. And I adore him. I mean, you know, lots of people will have this weird relationship with their parents where you love them to bits, but they say things that really annoy you. <laughs> so they can, using that to drive you on is quite a good example of, of taking something that happens to you that could be a negative and turning it into something motivational and positive. Uh, I was also, I, you know, I grew up in a world surrounded by animals. And I think animals have had quite a big influence on me, but I loved equestrian sport. And three-day eventing is a sport in which men and women compete all the time against each other. And when I was a kid, the most successful rider in the world was called Lucinda Pryor Palmer, and she became Lucinda Green. She won badminton horse trials six times on six different horses. And I just thought this is phenomenal. And she's a woman and she's beating all these men and she's so brave and she's, you know, she's galloping cross country, jumping enormous fences and she's got this amazing relationship with her horses and she's just, re and she seems to really love it and really enjoy it. Um, so that had a, a big influence on me and I, I kind of always try and harness that, you, you know, that freedom of spirit that just kind of kick on, just, just, just kick on. And and it's yeah, and that's why and that's why I wanted you know just that idea of keep going is is my kick on you know that's that's what I'm trying to say here and you are going to fall off we're all going to fall off so learn how to fall off and actually that's the other big influence Dad had on me is telling me I had to fall off a hundred times because then you start falling off on purpose and then you realise it doesn't hurt and when you kind of soft and floppy and you learn how to fall properly it it doesn't frighten you and the weird thing is you're then less likely to fall to fall off so now you know translating that into my life on telly or radio i know i'm going to make mistakes learning to deal with them and pick yourself up from them or laugh at them or just move on is really important it's the most important thing it's it's so true it's it's really helpful to read the book and just get some advice on life um thank you so much for chatting to us for fun kids um it was really, really interesting. And your book is fantastic. And uh, I know bookshops are kind of closed right now, but people can still grab it online or get their independent booksellers. Um, so it's still chances to get it. Thank you, Bex. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much to Claire Balding. I honestly felt like I could do anything after I read her book. I loved it. Now, another book I have read and loved recently was The Diary of Bug by Jen Carney. It is her brand new book. And I think it's her first ever kids one. And if you want to get a little feel for it, well... She's got a reading for us. So I'm going to read um, a short chapter from my book and it's a chapter 
that falls not far into the book. And um, I thought this would be really good for fun kids because I, I and my children listen to fun kids when we're in the car. And this chapter has a little game that you can play when you're in the car with your own family. It's quite fun. It's called Friday equals fun day. Layla and I love Fridays. It's Mrs. Patterson's afternoon for putting her feet up in the staff room drinking coffee. So class five has our favourite ever teacher, Mrs. Charvain, instead. Mrs. Charvain is awesome. She lets us sit wherever we want and she often dishes out tiny chocolates for trying hard. She wears millions of rings, even on her thumbs, and always smells of fruit. Also, her eyes can change colour. One day, they'll be green, and the next, they'll be blue. Pretty cool, hey? Today, she wore eight rings, her eyes were green, and she smelled of lemons. Mrs. Charvet, who's almost as good as Mum at making up fabulous games that don't need any equipment, always lets us play a game towards the end of the day. She calls it golden time. I call it, yippee, only half an hour till the weekend. Today's game was called... The story of Olga. Basically, Mrs. Charvain said a random statement about a woman called Olga. And we took turns saying sentences about her, starting unluckily or luckily. It was supposed to remind us what her frontal lobe is or something. It went like this. Mrs. Charvain. One night, Olga went out in her car to go to a music festival. Coral. Unluckily, halfway there, she ran out of petrol. Farida. Luckily, a fabulous petrol station was nearby. Daisy. Unluckily, the petrol station was closed. Me. Luckily, Mrs Diesel, the owner of the petrol station, arrived to open up at that exact moment. Layla. Unluckily, Mrs. Diesel hadn't brought the keys to open the front door because she was pregnant, which made her terribly forgetful. Janie. Luckily, Olga was a burglar in her spare time, so she helped Mrs. Diesel pick the lock with a long wire they found on the floor. Elliot. Unluckily, Olga then realised she'd forgotten her purse, so they couldn't pay for any petrol. Dale. Luckily, she found a £10 note in her bra. You get the idea. It was funny until Patrick North kept saying, unluckily then Olga died. Every time it got back round to him and Mrs. Charvain wouldn't let us have people rising from the dead. When I came out of school, Mum was in the yard chatting with someone I didn't recognise, but who looked super stylish in long black boots and with her hair clipped fancily on top of her head. I wondered if a movie star was coming for tea. No such luck. It turned out to be Mrs McVeigh, Janie's mum, and arrangements were being made for Janie to come to our house tomorrow. I'd better lock up all my valuables. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! 
Now, here's the thing. There is one author that I have met more than any other, and he's not just an author. He is an actor, a comedian, and just general all-round lovely man. So, in case you're wondering who I'm talking about, I should probably mention it's Ben Miller, and this is what happened when I caught up with him recently. Um, Lana delves into uh, Briar Rose, uh, Sleeping Beauty, and also Hansel and Gretel, and also you've got the classic Evil Witch. You've got she's got all of these things to kind of compete against. Plus, she's got her quite annoying brother as well. It's quite a lot to deal with, right? A lot to deal with, and there's also a bit of um, we all know the story of Sleeping Beauty, basically, don't we? And the the idea that Sleeping Beauty falls asleep and then gets woken by the prince, and then they get married and they live happily ever after. Well, in the original story of Sleeping Beauty, and this is sort of what gave me the idea for the for the book in the first place. That's just half of the story. And there's a second half where Sleeping Beauty and the Prince have, child- uh, have children and the evil fairy comes back to try and get the children. Really, really exciting story. And also reminds me kind of of Hansel and Gretel. I mean, it's funny. Lots of fairy tales remind you of other fairy tales. They are all uh, the, the characters, for example, like you said, the witches are often... It feels like it's the same witch in all these different fairy tales, from Rapunzel to um, Sleeping Beauty. The other, the other thing I really got, really found so interesting as well was learning about witches and their familiars. You know, we kind of think of the witch having a cat, don't we? It's often the familiar, which is like a creature which can act as the eyes and ears of the witch and can also work the witch's magic. So I really liked the idea of having some kind of character like that in the story. Familiars are often um, cats, birds, and frogs. And I thought, oh, that's great. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if the witch had a familiar that was a bird that could then fly around and listen to different people's conversations and then report back to the witch? I learned a lot about fairy tales writing this story, and um, I th- I'm glad I've, I've managed to remember tiny little bit (laughs) there are are so many fairy tales to delve into like it must have been really fun to research but kind of overwhelming because you're like oh my goodness there are so many bits I could pick like literal pick and mix of fairy tales eh? you could take anything you wanted to a pick and mix of fairy tales exactly and because they do tend to be similar kinds of stories falling asleep is also in in snow in and being then woken up is also in snow white there's there's lots of similar themes across across all of them and it feels like it feels like these are just really ancient stories that we've told ourselves for centuries and that they they all kind of have got a bit mixed and jum, uh, mixed and jumbled up i i still think sleeping beauty is one of the is one of the best is one of the very best stories. And I think that I remember La- asking Lana, my daughter, what her favourite fairy tale was and her saying, absolutely, Sleeping Beauty, that's the one. The ones that are, are most powerful to us are the ones that we tell more and more, aren't they? You know, they stick with us. I feel like they're kind of, where do they come from, fairy tales? Where do they, who makes them up? It's a bit like jokes, isn't it? Who makes the jokes up? Who makes the fairy tales up? It's just like they're in the ether, aren't they? It's like, oh, everybody knows yeah. this story. And it's like, but how? How has this happened? It is, you're right, it's weird. It's very funny. But we should, we should say, I mean, obviously the book has done really, really well. And, um, you know, fairy tales, you've tapped into something people love. You must have been delighted with how, how successful the book has been to come out in paperback. I can't believe it, really. Uh, it's been, it's, 
yeah, it's way beyond anything that, um, you know, that I was hoping for. I mean, obviously you hope people will find the book and read the book, but when it sort of um, takes off like it has done, it's really, really exciting. And I think, especially in lockdown, because there's not been many places to buy books, you know, it's been, it's, it's amazing for this to happen at, at a time um, when it's been hard to get hold of books, but but also when books have been so important. I know that everybody should grab a copy of the book right now because bookshops are slowly going to reopen, uh, but you can still yes. online. Independent bookshops, I know, are doing a lot of hard work as well to try and get the word out there. Um, so there's lots of places to grab your book, right? Yes, there are. And I, I should just mention, um, there's some fan- beautiful illustrations in my book as well. I think that's another reason that it's it's been so popular is... The, this fantastic Italian artist, Daniela Terrazzini, draws these incredibly lifelike and ever so slightly creepy drawings. Um, and, and you look at the drawing and you think, what's scary about that? I'm not sure. It all looks pretty normal, but there's definitely something slightly unsettling about it. And you have to see these drawings. You have to see these drawings to, you have to see them to kind of appreciate them. But uh, they really do, they really do make the book into a world, you know. Now, of course, we have to address the thorny issue of the Bookworms Book of the Month. And this month, I have gone for one very close to my heart. It is Jamie McFlair versus the Boy Band Generator. And it's by Sean Thorne and Luke Franks. Now, Sean, you may well know, is the breakfast presenter on Fun Kids. Yeah, I know. He's got his very own book out. Now, in the next episode of the podcast, you'll be able to hear my chat with him and Luke. But... Right now, let's find out how they reacted when I told them they were the bookworm's book of the month. I have decided that this book is my book of the month, so congratulations. Oh, thank you, Bex. Well nice of you, Bex. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. It goes into our big uh, end-of-the-year competition where the 12 books fight it out in a final duel to the death. Oh, that sounds like a book in itself. Love that. Now, before we go, I've got a bit of time to recommend the best and biggest new books around at the moment. And there are so many new books coming out now, but I thought I'd tell you about my top four. We've got Secrets of a Schoolyard Millionaire by Nat Amore. We've got Leo's Map of Monsters by Chris Humphrey. Uh, The Minecraft Shipwreck book is looking very good. That's by C.B. Lee. It's all about Jake Thomas, who starts a new school and finds a bit the conundrum with the computers in the IT centre. But the one that I think you should look out for this month is Victoria Hislop's book. It is called Maria's Island. Now, it's the first book she's ever written for kids. It's based on one of her grown-up books. She's taken a character from one of her grown-up books and put it in this book. And in the book, Maria has an interesting life. Now, she lives opposite a leper colony, a place that's shrouded in shame and fear. And she doesn't really know much about it until one day she herself is diagnosed and has to be sent away, leaving everything she knows and loves. It's a really great book. Definitely recommend it. So if you see uh, Victoria Hislop's Maria's Island on your travels, go and check it out. That's pretty much all the time I've got in today's Bookworms. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, please do rate, review, uh, follow wherever it is you get your podcasts, and I'll see you soon. Bye. 
Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!